It's January 21st, 1521. In a break from lecturing their students at the University of Wittenberg, Luther's friend and fellow professor, Philip Melanchthon, invites Luther to walk with him to a local inn for something to eat. I've walked enough, both to and from Rome. It will do you good, Herr Doctor. The newly married Philip Melanchthon is 14 years Luther's junior. He's self-effacing and slight of frame, with red hair and sparkling, inquisitive eyes. Born Philip Schwarzert, meaning Black Earth, Melanchthon had followed the humanist tradition of changing his name to its Greek equivalent. He'd become professor of Greek at the University of Wittenberg at the age of only 21. The friends duck into the low door and are welcomed by the smell of baking bread. As you know, Martin, until the third century, there were no private masses in the church, and the canons of the mass were not the, the same. The subject of their conversation is transubstantiation. The idea, taught by the Roman Catholic Church, was that during the Eucharist, the bread and the wine are converted into the literal body and blood of Christ, with only the appearances of bread and wine still remaining. Giving thanks and so on. For more than 1,200 years, the Holy Fathers never once mentioned this transubstantiation, a monstrous word for a monstrous idea, until Aristotle became rampant in the Church. For 300 years since then, many other things have been wrongly defined. We are not to believe this doctrine of transubstantiation, that Christ is being re-sacrificed and is physically present, but we are to believe that Christ really is present at the supper. But how exactly is he present? Fleischbrot. Fleischbrot, Herr Doktor? Jawohl, Fleischbrot. Christ's human body is present in the Lord's Supper, but in a sacramental union. When Christ said, This is my body, the bread and his body were two distinct substances, but Christ, out of the two kinds of objects, forms a sacramental union in the supper. But, Herr Doctor, formerly you did believe in something more than merely a sacramental union, did you not? A faraway look comes into Luther's eyes. He's back in Erfurt Cathedral on May the 2nd, 1507. He'd been a model monk in the Augustinian cloister. Now a priest, he was about to officiate at his first mass. Luther remembers the smell of the robing chamber. Incense, burning candles, mildew and dust. With each new layer of clothing that was added to him, Luther felt increasingly uneasy. Finally, the white surplice was lowered over Martin's head. Vestments must be precise, my son. There must be no mistake in robing you. Luther wondered if he could do it, perform the miracle. With mere words, could he turn the common elements of bread and wine into the very body and blood of the Saviour? The words must be as precise as the vestments. And what of my soul? Must it also be precise? 
free of sin? There must be no sin unconfessed. It is a holy thing you are about to do, Martin. There must be no sin, even in the corners of your heart. Yet God will be merciful. Remember, it is the sacrament which is holy, not the officiant. His heart thundering, Luther watched his fellow monks as they chanted in procession down the aisle ahead of him. Blue tendrils of incense reached up toward the vaulted stone ceiling. Below him, beneath the flagstones, he thought of the mouldering remains of saints. Philip, I was so terrified at what I was about to do. I could think only of the psalm. From my youth I have been afflicted and am ready to die. Thy fierce wrath goeth over me. Thy terrors have cut me off. The monks divided to the left and right in front of me. And I knew I was supposed to proceed upward to the high altar. Alone. Before God. Where his holiness dwelt. My feet felt like lead. I was like a condemned man ascending the pyre for my own burning. From the high altar, Luther had looked down at the nave of the cathedral, the black-robed monks, the guests and the family all there to celebrate this holy moment. His family. He'd not laid eyes on his father and mother for two years. In nomine Patris et Filii et Spiritus Sancti. I was shocked by the words coming from my own voice. I lifted my arms heavenward, the wafer suspended above my head, the sleeves of my vestments trembling. We offer unto thee the living, the true, the eternal God. You stopped there? Why did you stop? I was stupefied with terror. With what tongue shall I address such majesty? Who am I that I should lift my eyes or raise my hands to the divine? The angels surround him. At his word the earth trembles. And shall I, dust and ashes and full of sin, shall I speak to the living, the eternal, the true God? The congregation sat in awkward silence. Luther's father was enraged when his son decided to become a monk. What was he thinking now? Hoc est corpus meum. Somehow my voice had resumed. This is my body, it said. The miracle of transubstantiation was done. I had done it. The bread was no longer bread, the wine no longer wine. I held in my mortal hands the very body and blood of the Son of God. Luther nearly spilled the chalice. But regaining his composure, he reached the final words of the ceremony. Ite misa You made it to the end. 
Well, the mess had ended, but my terror carried on for some time. (laughs) (laughs) Leaving the comfort of the inn, the two men turn back toward the university as the winter sun begins to set. Meanwhile, 244 miles away in the city of Worms, the most powerful men in the Holy Roman Empire are gathering. Although Luther's first invitation to this imperial diet was revoked in December, it is still possible Emperor Charles will summon Luther to give an account of himself. And perhaps Luther will feel just as he did during that first Mass like a man ascending the pyre for his own burning. That was what was going on exactly 500 years ago. And here's a taste of what's next. Martin, the world hates the truth. By that hate, Christ was crucified. And what there is in store for you today, if not the cross, I do not know. One who has been condemned by the Pope, the cardinals and prelates should be heard only in a prison. The laity, including the emperor, are not in a position to review the case. The only competent judge is the Pope. Rupert Wickham is Martin Luther, Douglas Bond is our writer, Rob Jorgensen is our audio producer and sound designer, and John Campbell composes our music. Find out more about the series at lutherinrealtime.com and do spread the word if you like it. Your ratings, reviews and shares really help. And by the way, Luther in Real Time is just one of a whole family of podcasts produced by Ligonier Ministries. Check the show notes for some others I think you'll enjoy. I'm Barry Cooper. Join us again 500 years ago for the next episode of Luther in Real Time. <laughs>